When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, everyone, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're back. We're live on Sportscaster today. And we have a great show in store for you. We got the Week 15 Thursday Night Football Preview, Early Sunday Morning Previews, and, of course... The mailbag segment at the end, which you can always get your questions answered by me and have a possibility to get selected to be on the show, to shout it out on the show, to have your question discussed on the show. If you go to my Twitter feed, at MDSFFshow, and drop a fantasy football question there. If you go to my Facebook, at MDFFshow, and drop a comment there as well. Or you can always email me directly through the website, www.mdffshow.com. Dot com, which brings me to my previous point, which is why we're actually a few minutes late today. I was busy setting this up. But you can see behind me here, this is actually the website on the screen behind me. So some of you guys who have not been to it, you can kind of check it out. And we're going to go through it today because I'm going to have some of the right rankings up there, how to kind of go through, guide you through the website and everything like that because it's a great tool for you guys. It's everything that you need to really make sure you are ahead of the competition for your fantasy leagues. It's the second round of the playoffs. It's do or die time. We're on our way to the championship. One more step. One more step. And MD Nation will be in the championship next week. And that's what it is all about. So I want to make sure you guys have all of the information that you possibly need in order to make that happen. And we're going to go through all of that today. But before we get into that, we have first and foremost... Live on Sportscaster, on the audio version, you can check this podcast out. Google Play, Stitcher, Spodcast, Spotify, anywhere you go, the MD's Fantasy Football Show is widely available to you. I talked about a little bit how we're going to get into some of these episodes. We're going to talk about what we have in store for us in the future. 
what we have in store for us for next year, what you guys have to look forward to. And it's stuff like this. It's getting more creative on the video. It's getting more creative in our podcasting, in our information, in, in everything that we do to be the best show that we could possibly be for MD Nation to make sure you get not only just the best information, but the best entertainment as well, making it more fun for you to want to come back and watch the show on sportscaster.com or listen to the MD Spinning Football Show on your favorite podcast app. But that's enough of that for now. Let's go ahead and get into some football right now. You can see up top, I got the phone going, so I got the the alerts going as well. So we, this is going to be a fun time. We're going to try this out, see how it works. But we have a lot, we have a lot going on here. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. All right, and first up, we have the Thursday night game tonight, which is we've got the Jets, we have the Ravens, and this figures to be an onslaught. I mean, I mean, seriously, if the Ravens don't blow these guys out by 30, that means they themselves did not have a very good game, and we expect them to be able to do so. Now, first off, injuries on the Jets' side of the ball. Le'Veon Bell here, he's expected to go. Now, Bilal Powell will not. And we're still waiting on Jamal Adams. And I know Jamal Adams is not a fancy player in him of his own right. But the reason why we mention him is because if Jamal Adams can play, that really does limit the ability of Mark Andrews, or at least limits his ceiling to some degree. Now, for those of you wondering, yes, Mark Andrews is expected to be able to play in this game. So is Lamar Jackson, by the way. There was very little doubt once they found out that it was, in fact, a thigh contusion for Mark Andrews. That There was very little doubt that he wasn't going to be able to play, and Lamar Jackson seemed to be okay the entire time. Not expecting him to be hindered in any way going into this game. You have to fire him up as a QB1. And if you look here on the rankings, and we're going to pull him up for you, I'm going to have the half-point PPR rankings up on the screen behind me for you guys to be able to look at as we go through and talk about some of these players. And I'm just showing you kind of how to go through the website here. you got the standard rankings, half point. And if you scroll all the way down, you got the full point PPR rankings as well. Now, of course, all of this is on Sportscaster. If you're on the audio version, you're not seeing this right now. But... Always go to check out the website, www.mdffshow.com, and you can go ahead and see all of this for yourself. But as you can see there, I have Lamar Jackson, not just ranked as the number one quarterback, but the number one player of the week. And all down here are the positions as well. So we're going to go through this as we go. Now, as far as the Jets go, who can you play? I don't think you could play anybody in this game. Going against the Baltimore Ravens defense, this defense, maybe even more so than the New England Patriots right now, is a defense that I want to try to avoid at all costs. And because the Jets' offense in general is so hit or miss, because they have not been able to get a continuity going, because their offensive line is probably the worst in football, I would avoid playing Le'Veon Bell if at all possible. I would avoid playing Robbie Anderson. I would avoid playing James Crowder. Not that you really wanted to trust those guys to begin with, but just to give you an idea here of where I have Le'Veon Bell. He is all the way down. Keep going. Keep going. Number 34. If you can read him on the screen right there on Sportscaster. I have him ranked number 34 in half-point PPR leagues, making him definitely an RB3 and 
only way he bails you out, the only way he bails you out is if you are in half-point PPR or full-point PPR leagues and he catches the ball a ton, which could be possible, but that's the only way he bails you out and gives you a floor. I don't expect him to score a touchdown. I expect him to struggle to get 80 yards from scrimmage. This is a game in which I expect the Ravens just to completely dominate. There's no reason to think that they won't. Now, on the Ravens' side of the ball... You're going to have to play Lamar Jackson. I think you have to play, continue to play Mark Andrews as long as he's good to go because he has been a tight end one for you. And I would even contemplate, depending on what your lineups are, depending on what you need to do, I would contemplate playing Marquise Brown as a high-end flex play wide receiver three. Now, this is always a guy that we can utilize in this way. This is always a guy who might be able to win you a week. We know this. He's also a guy who has a low floor. But here's the issue. Here's the issue. Against the New York Jets, in a game in which they should be able to run the ball. Now, I know the Jets on paper are great against the run, but they have not played a physical team that can run the ball like the Baltimore Ravens are. I don't expect them to be able to have success in this one stopping the run. What we have here, that's what the issue is. So... With Marquise Brown, he's going to have to make a lot of his damage in the first half. That's where it's going to have to come. He's going to have to get his big plays off of play action in the first half. Because in the second half, and I kind of worry about this for all Raven players involved here. In the second half, I expect Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, I expect them to not have to play that much. Maybe they play into the third quarter, but either halfway through the third quarter or beginning of the fourth quarter, I expect the backups to be in here. Kind of one of the reasons why I think Gus Edwards might be one of the sneaky, not in, not in redraft formats, not for your playoff matchups, but if you're doing tournaments and DFS tonight, I think Gus Edwards is somebody who should definitely be adding on to your list because he could see a quarter and a half for sure. And as you can see, I got, I got belly up sports. I got the chat going on behind me there. Uh, just those guys also on Sportscaster, by the way, belly up sports for you as well. Now, just continuing on here. So Marquise Brown's going to have to do his damage in the first half in order to really give you your productivity. But because it's the Jets, because that should be there, because Mark Andrews is a little bit hindered, so they may look to use Marquise Brown in the passing game, especially early on. I think he's somebody that if you are in a matchup where you feel like you do not have the firepower to be able to match up with your opponent this week, this is somebody you can take that shot on and try to even things out and try to go for the jugular. Of course, he has a low floor, and it all depends on your lineup makeup, but just keep that in mind. I do like Marquise Brown quite a bit this particular week. Now, what we have up next is the first early Sunday game that we are going to talk about, the New England Patriots and the Cincinnati Bengals. First of all, Patriots defense, my number one defense on the week, because I'll get get them up here for you guys in a second, without a doubt. Uh, look, they're playing against the Cincinnati Bengals. They're terrible here. I got them there right above the San Francisco 49ers. We all know that. Andy Dalton's always good for a couple turnovers. He's always good for a couple of sacks. And what we expect to see in this game is just another dominant performance from the New England Patriots. We expect them to bounce back after the last week against the Chiefs. This is a great game for them to get some things right, get some things going on offense. I would not be surprised if Sony Michelle was able to make himself a flex play in this game. Now, having said that, are you really going to be able to come into this game and trust Sony Michelle? To that, I say probably not. Probably not. How can you trust a guy who got eight yards last week against a Chiefs defense that should have been ripe for the taking? How can you trust a guy who is not hasn't scored a touchdown since the New York Jets six weeks ago? 
They haven't been utilizing him. They haven't been able to utilize the run. The Patriots right now have no identity on offense. So there's a flip side to that coin, which is this could be the game in which you establish what your identity is. That's, that's, that's what it is. This is the game you can get right. It's very few times that these games come along this point in the season. This is an opportunity for them to get right. And I have to think, with the way their defense is, the Patriots are going to have to realize, because of Tom Brady, because of the lack of the weapons in the passing game, that they have to get this run game going for the playoffs if they want to go back to another Super Bowl. This is the perfect game against Cincinnati Bengals to get that run game some confidence and get it going moving forward. The question is going to be, are they going to stick to it? Or are they going to do what they continue to do over the past few weeks and build their identity around Shotgun and James White? Now, as far as injuries go in this game, Julian Edelman is expected to be fine. Yes, he did not practice yesterday, but it's not expected to be a big deal whatsoever. And as, long, as far as the Cincinnati Bengals side of the ball goes, yes, Alden Tate's on the IR. He's done for the year. John Ross is back. He played a little bit last week. With no Alden Tate, he could find himself in a situation where he may need to play a significant role sooner rather than later. And being that he was back a week ago, we expect to see him play a little bit more in this week, expecting to get his feet wet a little bit more. Now look, I mentioned John Ross as more of a DFS play. For those of you maybe aren't in the playoffs or still play DFS tournaments on the side as along with your redraft leagues. He's somebody against, the, I know what I'm saying, I know it's against the Patriots defense, but in a game in which I expected to be let's say, an immense amount of garbage time, meaning probably the entire second half of this ball game. I expect John Ross to find himself in a situation where he could very well get a bomb, could very well just be left out there and just the slip coverage. They don't care anymore. The game is well in hand and kind of scores off of that. It's a one play for John Ross. It's all it takes. So DFS leagues, you want somebody really, really cheap who has that capability, who I think might be able to lull defense to sleep in the second half He's that guy. Obviously, I don't love it. Obviously, it's just a tournament play. Obviously, it's just a contrarian play. But I just kind of want to mention it there because he will have a bigger role with no more on Tate out there. As far as the rest of the guys go, as far as redraft leagues go, as far as your playoff matchups go, you can't trust anybody on the Bengals. The only guy I'm even contemplating playing here would be Joe Mixon. That's it. That's the only one I would even contemplate playing in this situation. And that's because, one, he's been playing really well as of late. That offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals is much better than it has been in quite some time now that the Cordy Glenn is back in the mix. And the Patriots have shown that their one weakness that they do have is against the rushing attacks. I see there you have Joe Mixon. He's number 21 in half-point PPR in my rankings this week. Something to kind of keep in mind there. I'm basically saying that he is a low-end RB2. He is a high-end flex play. Outside of Joe Mixon, I'm not trusting anybody. That can that includes Tyler Boyd. Yes, he'll be the number one targeted wide receiver. Yes, they should be. Yes, the Patriots haven't been as good against pass catchers, or at least they haven't been quite the shutdown team. But this is a game in which I expect them to be the shutdown team that they were earlier on in the season because they're ripe for the picking. They're ripe for the picking. So I'm playing Joe Mixon. I'm staying away from everybody else if I can at all help it. Now, if you're in full-point PPR leagues and you don't have a lot of options, Tyler Boyd will still offer you a floor because even against the Patriots, even in a bad matchup, even in a bad game, he could still somehow leap into six catches for 60 yards and if you get 12 points out of Tyler Boyd, that's fine for a wide receiver three. That's fine for a flex play if you're talking about full-point PPR leagues. But that's the only scoring format I think of that I'm contemplating wanting to actually play him in my playoff matchup in this particular week. 
Moving on here to our next game, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions. Now, this one, we got to talk about the injuries here, right? Because in this one, we have Jameis Winston, who hurt his hand, was questionable. Looks like he's going to play. He practiced without throwing a football yesterday, however the hell that works. But he was a practice in a limited capacity. Head coach Bruce Arians comes out and says right away, he expects him to be good to go. So as long as that is truly going to be the case, we expect... Chris Godwin to be able to do his thing. Will he be shadowed by Darius Slay? Yes, absolutely. But elite receivers have still been able to find success against Darius Slay. Stephon Diggs was able to go for six catches for 92 yards. Now, while Diggs in his of himself has a history of being able to play well against Darius Slay and one of the few wide receivers that do, Chris Godwin's going to get all kinds of targets. Mike Evans is gone. He's done for the year. Yes, the targets are going to have to go to other people besides Chris Godwin, but Take the targets he has had and add, I'd say, at least somewhere between two and four extra per game to finish out the rest of the season. You give Chris Godwin an extra two to four targets the rest of the season, I think you're going to see a guy who's still, even in tough matchups, even though he's going to be the number one focus of the defenses now for the last three weeks, is somebody who's going to still give you wide receiver one performances week in and week out. And that includes against the Detroit Lions here. They're going to have to throw. It's going to have to be a volume-based type of thing. So I am not worried about Chris Godwin. The only thing that was going to make me worried about him is if James Winston was not going to be able play, which as of right now, from the sound of it, it sounds like that will in fact be the case. He will be able to go. Everyone seems like he'll be able to go. So will he have a chance for re-injury? Yeah, he will. But I'm willing to take that chance, especially with Chris Godwin, who's been an elite receiver, who's the reason why you're up there. And as you can see, I have no fear because I have Chris Godwin, the number three receiver on the week in half point PPR leagues. So that is what we're doing there. That is what we expect there. So no worries on our end as far as that goes. I've been getting a lot of questions about Chris Godwin. As far as the running backs go, it's it's been a it's been a pain in the ass all, all year long with Tampa Bay Buccaneer running backs. We we all we all know that. But expect Ronald Jones to get some work here. Expect Peyton Barber to just go back to being a goal line back, a runner that he is, but with no Mike Evans, the targets have to go somewhere. So all of a sudden things for OJ Howard and things for Ronald Jones open up a bit. There should be extra targets, extra dump offs. There should be, uh, there has to be another guy on the field who can stretch the seam, who can make big 50, 50 ball plays. And that guy has to be OJ Howard. Now, I am not going to be the expert who tells you to go out, pick up O.J. Howard, and play him in your redraft leagues or your playoffs. I'm not. I'm not going to be that guy. Because how can you trust O.J. Howard after the season he has had? I'm just saying extra targets should be there. He has been playing more and more snaps as of late, even before Mike Evans had the injury and went out last week. I think there's room to believe that if you're just streaming tight ends and you're in that desperate area, if you're in the area of... You know, you're looking at David Njoku against the Cardinals. You're looking at Jacob Hollister. You're looking at, you know, uh, not Ryan Griffin, but you're looking at guys in that area. I think O.J. Howard has to be added in to that group. He has to be. Because O.J. Howard, it has the talent, and now if he actually has the targets coming his way, we may get to see the last three weeks what O.J. Howard, the O.J. Howard that we expected to see all season long. That's what we're looking at here. So let's put it this way. I like him a lot more in tournament leagues, for sure. 
But I don't mind if you want to take a chance on them, if you've been streaming tight ends anyway, take a chance on them in your redraft playoff leagues because the extra targets should be there. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Along with Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones' issues, as long as he doesn't fumble, I think he's going to give you a flex performance, especially if you're in half point and full point PPR leagues. But you do have to worry about him fumbling. On the Detroit Lions side of the ball, again, we're not expecting any Matthew Stafford. Why they won't just put him on IR at this point is beyond me, but we're not expecting any Matthew Stafford right now. Marvin Jones Jr. is on the IR. He's gone. So that opens up even more targets for Kenny Galladay, which has sort of been an issue, right? While Kenny Galladay has had two good weeks in a row now with David Blau, one huge week, and then last week he finds the end zone, so he still gives you a solid performance there, he still had only been seeing about five targets. Now with no Marvin Jones Jr., I expect him to get back up to his normal eight-target range, at least. And in this game, if Tampa Bay is able to score even without Mike Evans, and let's be real, there's been plenty of games where they have been able to do that without his productivity. I expect this game, I expect Detroit to have to throw the ball and have to be aggressive in this one. I mean, that's how you attack Tampa Bay. It's a great matchup on top of it. If Kenny Galladay gets eight targets or more with the absence of Marvin Jones and is the number one touchdown guy, I expect a big day out of him. And I have him number seven. You can see it there on the screen if you're watching on Sportscaster. I have him number seven in half-point PPR leagues this week. For that reason, he's got a hell of a floor, and he's got a hell of a ceiling going into this matchup, especially with no Marvin Jones. So that's, that's, that's the good news for Kenny Galladay owners. Now, as far as Bo Scarborough goes, he's expected to play. Yes, he had a rib injury, but he should be good to go. Uh, he was never considered that serious to begin with. He practiced in limited capacity yesterday. Now, you don't love the matchup here, but Tampa Bay hasn't been quite, I would just, not, not just, just not as quite as stout as they have been uh, in the weeks leading up to this point. Just not quite. They're still pretty good. Still really good. And the Detroit Lions still have no offensive line. But Scarball has been getting 20-plus touches every single week he's been the starter. That figures to continue against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If they get in close, he will have just as good of a chance to score as anybody. I'm not looking at him in half-point PPR leagues. I'm not really looking at him in full-point PPR leagues because he's just not involved in the passing game at all. But if you're in a standard league, Bo Scarball, to me, is somebody who should be a flex guy. And actually, we can utilize this here. We can go up. I have my standard league rankings as well, and we can check that out, too, to see exactly where we have him ranked uh, this week, and we have him number 31. So I'm telling you that he is a high-end RB3, a high-end flex play for you this week in standard leagues. Like I said, half-point, full-point PPR leagues, I'm not going to touch him because it's not a good match against Tampa Bay. We don't expect him to get you know, 80, 100 yards rushing. You're hoping for a touchdown, and he's not involved at all in the passing game. But in standard leagues, you can get away with, you can get away with 60 yards and a touchdown, which is something that I think is very, very possible for him to be able to do against Tampa Bay in this one. And as far as everybody else goes, look, Jesse James, I know it's Tampa Bay. I know they're terrible against the tight end. Outside of taking a shot on him in DFS, 
because of the Marvin Jones factor, because there might be extra targets to go around to somebody else. I think those extra targets are going to go between Kenny Galladay and Danny Amendola. Not really going to be a tight end situation. Now, if Matthew Stafford was playing in this game, I think it'd be a totally different scenario. I think Jesse James would be somebody who is actually something we would talk about as a sleeper this week. But because it's David Blau and it's not Matthew Stafford, I don't think we can find ourselves in a situation to play him in redraft leagues or really even take a chance on him in tournament leagues other than just a super deep contrarian cheap play that that would be it but not something we're recommending here on the md's fantasy football show next game up we want to talk about chicago bears green bay packers in this one first off as far as the injuries go taylor gabriel is still not practicing with the concussion injury so that's unfortunate there. What it does mean is that Anthony Miller continues his role as the number two wide receiver. Now, there's still a chance that Taylor Gabriel could wind up being cleared to go by the end of the week. But usually speaking, if you don't start practicing on Wednesday when you're still dealing with concussion, it typically does not look good for you for the rest of the week. Obviously, things can change. Obviously, and you can see there on the screen on Sportscaster, DJ Chark did not practice again today. I don't know why they keep updating him. I don't know why they won't just put him on IR with that high ankle sprain. I doubt he'll play again this season. Just which one throw it out there as that alert was coming in. Um, as we we're saying, with Taylor Gabriel, we don't expect him to really be able to play this week. So Anthony Miller will continue his second wide receiver status. Keep in mind, while he had the touchdown last week, he only had two catches for 40 yards. He's not a trustworthy option. He's not somebody you should be playing in your redraft leagues unless you're in 14 or 16 team leagues. Then I could see it more. Half point, full point PPR. Then I could understand the appeal to playing an Anthony Miller. But if you're in 12 team leagues, 10 team leagues, I think there's absolutely no reason why you can't find a better option outside of Anthony Miller this week. Absolutely none. But having said all that, Allen Robinson, I like a lot. I like Allen Robinson a ton this week. First of all, the Green Bay Packers, and I've been harping on this pretty much since September at this point, are not the secondary, are not the defense that everyone tries to make them out to be. They're not, they are, they're decent. They're not a terrible matchup. They're not, they're not terrible, obviously, but they're not great. They are, they are not something that should scare you away. And if you have a good wide receiver going up against this defense, they can have just as high of a ceiling, just as good of a floor as any other game for anybody. So I'm still trying to find Allen Robinson here. I thought I had had him higher up as we we scroll through the half-point PPR leagues. Now, I do have him, generally speaking, as a wide receiver three, as a guy who can possibly get you a touchdown or two. And... Against the Green Bay Packers, yeah, I expect him to be the number one targeted guy. I expect him to be somebody you can lean on. There he is. I kept scrolling past him a couple of times there. Sorry for that. He's number 16 on the week for me at the half-point PPR scoring format. So, yes, you could play Allen Robinson. I actually have him in the wide receiver two range this particular week against the Green Bay Packers. Hey, and we got an update here. Evan Ingram actually might practice today. That's something we were not expecting, and we're going to get into that game in a little while here. But Evan Ingram might be able to practice today. That just coming across the desk now. Uh, getting back to Allen Robinson. I think you got to fire him up. You got to play him this week. He's all, he's on a two-game stretch now where he's been very good. The Chicago Bears play calling has been the big change here, right? They have gotten back to motioning guys, playing guys left and right. Um, 
moving guys in and out. Allen Robinson especially, he's been lined up in the slot. He's been outside. He's been all over the field. They're finally getting Mitchell Trubisky going with RPOs. It's still not great. It's still Mitchell Trubisky, but against the Green Bay Packers here, Allen Robinson is somebody I expect to be able to be a wide receiver to for you this week. So you can go ahead and fire him up. The same thing with David Montgomery. David Montgomery's an RB too. I know it's been I know it's been rough. I know he's been very inconsistent. I know he's been a headache. But here's the thing about David Montgomery. He should get somewhere between 16 to 20 touches this week. Somewhere. As long as he gets somewhere between 16 to 20 touches this week, I expect him to put up at least RB2 numbers, if not flex numbers, because the Green Bay Packers are terrible against the run. And with the way the Bears have been playing as of late, I do give him a better chance to score a touchdown than maybe he was a month ago. So David Montgomery somebody else I can fire up too. That's it. It's Robinson. It's David Montgomery. I'm staying away from everybody else as far as fantasy purposes go. No, I'm not ready to stream Mr. Trubisky. Are you for your redraft leagues? Because I'm not. And there's no way in hell I'm going to tell you to do so otherwise. Could he wind up having a decent game? Yeah. Could he? Could him having a decent game help guys like Allen Robinson, David Montgomery? Obviously. But... You can't trust it. It's just as likely the complete bottom just falls out from under this guy. So, yes, no, we're not recommending Mitchell Trubisky as a streaming option this week against the Green Bay Packers by any means. Next up here, we have the Houston Texans. We have the Tennessee Titans. And this should be a great divisional game. This actually should be a great football game to be able to watch here. But fantasy-wise... We got a lot to unpack. First of all, no real injuries to talk about, except for Derrick Henry. So that's that's kind of the good news, because even Derrick Henry, we expect to play. He you know, didn't practice yesterday, but we expected him not to practice yesterday coming off of a hamstring injury. They're not, they're not, Derrick Henry's not the type of guy who's going to have to practice a lot in order to play this week. In fact, I would go as far as to say I really don't expect him to practice this week, or uh, practice today, I should say. Not, I expect him to practice tomorrow. As long as he's able to get out in the field tomorrow, I'm not too worried about it. Watching that game, watching when the injury happened, watching him play through it, watching him play after it, it just seemed to me that it was definitely bothering him. That was very clear. But when they took him out, it was more of a precaution to not injure it or possibly actually truly you know, make it severe injury where he'd have to actually miss weeks. They pulled him before that point. He seemed like he was still willing and ready to go. So I take that as an indication that he should be fine for this week coming up. Now, of course, the question has been, and we're, we're going to get into that mailbag. Some of the pre-selected questions that I already have are asking about Ryan Tannehill. Is he a streamer? Is he this? And we're going to get into that. And also, if you're watching right now on Sportscaster, you want to drop a fantasy football question there in the chat. I will put it as part of this episode and talk about it here during the mailbag segment at the end of the show. So just keep that in mind if you're watching along on Sportscaster too. That's the way you can get mentioned onto the show here. Ryan Tannehill is a streaming quarterback for me this week. Now, in half-point PPR leagues, we can go ahead. We check him out here. I actually believe I have him off the top of my head in the top five range. I do. I have Ryan Tannehill number four quarterback on the week. Whoops. <laughs> uh, yeah, but number four quarterback on the week for Ryan Tannehill. He should be able to run. He should be able to hit the deep ball to A.J. Brown. He should be able to pretty much do what he's been able to do all season long, which is do a little bit of everything. The Titans are playing perfectly with him right now, and a big key to his success is Derrick Henry because a lot of their their offense is built off of play action. So you want 
Derrick Henry to play if you're a Ryan Tannehill owner? I had someone ask me that question the other day, and it was, you know, if, if Derrick Henry can't play, will Derek, will will Ryan Tannehill, as a result, be able to throw more, insinuating that he would somehow have more value if that would actually be the case? And my retort to that was no. If you're going to if you're going to stream Ryan Tannehill this week, you want Derrick Henry to play because you need Houston to bite on the play action if they're going to if you're going to be able to get the ceiling that you're hoping for for Ryan Tannehill. That's how AJ Brown gets his bombs. That's how everyone gets their bombs. That's how everybody's op- wide open in the middle. That's what opens everything up for this offense is play action. That has to be there. If you're leaning on Deion Lewis, it's not going to quite be there. So while he might have more volume. It's not going to be great from a fantasy perspective. So you want Derrick Henry in this game if you're going to stream Ryan Tannehill. I do think you're going to be able to be good there. And I do think he's somebody you can play and use Ryan Tannehill to get yourself into the championship game next week. So we highly recommend being able to stream him. As far as everybody else goes, A.J. Brown, you got to play him as a wide receiver three. You have to. I don't, I, look, coming off of that game, yes, he's somebody who's been hit or miss all year long. Yes, he's somebody who has had dud weeks after having huge weeks. And as you can see, I have A.J. Brown ranked as the number 23 wide receiver on the week in half-point PPR leagues. So I have him just outside my wide receiver two range, but definitely a very high-end wide receiver three, a very high-end flex play this week. And I expect great things out of A.J. Brown. It's a great matchup first and foremost against the Houston Texans. He has been coming into his own as of late. So while, yes, he has been still hit or miss, a little bit inconsistent, he has been getting better and better and better. And over the past few weeks, there hasn't been any more we want to get Corey Davis involved or where the target share is still kind of even between the two, making them both widely inconsistent. Or should I say, really just making A.J. Brown inconsistent because Corey Davis hasn't really been productive at all this year. It hasn't really been the case. A.J. Brown has pretty much established himself now as Ryan Tannehill's number one wide receiver. Over this, it's a small sample size, but over this past month, his targets have taken a bit of a tick up. It's been a little bit more consistent for him. So with his ability against the Houston Texans in a game that has potentially sneaky shootout potential, by the way, I do believe you can go ahead, fire him up as a high-end wide receiver three, as a high-end flex play, as a guy who has the potential to win you your week. I think you have to play A.J. Brown this week if you have him. Now, on the Houston Texans side of the ball, it's pretty much straightforward. Will Fuller was a limited participant in practice again, but he was a limited participant in practice last week too and then wound up ultimately not playing. So we're going to keep on that. Make sure you're tuning in. At on Twitter at MDSFF Show for those player news update notifications. They also come out on Belly Up at Belly Up Fantasy and at Belly Up Football. I also have the notifications going up on there as well. So there's multiple ways to get those updates, get those alerts for free, and pretty much almost as soon as the news comes out to give you your edge against your opponents. And that's what we're all about here. And that's going to be one of the ones that we're going to have come out. You know, we're going to be on top of right away as Will Fuller. Because it's actually a decent match against Tennessee. They've actually been a little bit below average when it comes to wide receivers this season against fantasy in, in fantasy football, I should say. And while, yes, Will Fuller is going to be a very sketchy play, but he does a couple of things. Yes, there's the value of can I play Will Fuller, which I think you can. Will he have the high risk re-injury? Of course, but that's... Whenever you play Will Fuller, you're playing him with the risk that he's going to get injured in that game, whether he's been injured or not. Even if he's gone into a game healthy for a few weeks, you're still playing him with the risk that he's going to get injured because he's that injury prone. But as we saw a couple of weeks ago when he first came back, we can see also what he can do. Seven catches, 157 yards, and a touchdown, I believe it was. He can also win you the entire week. So that's somebody that you 
want to have in your lineups, especially when he has a decent matchup. So I do think you can play Will Fuller if he's able to go. Is it a high risk? Yes, absolutely it is. But the other aspect of Will Fuller playing is not just himself, but he tremendously, tremendously helps Deshaun Watson. Without a doubt, Deshaun Watson becomes more of a high-end QB1 if Will Fuller is in the lineup because he doesn't have to just lean on DeAndre Hopkins to hit the deep ball. He can go to both of his guys, open everything up, and make things a lot easier. And as you can see, I have Deshaun Watson, the number 11 quarterback on the week. And that has a lot to do with just his inconsistent play over the past month and not knowing if Will Fuller is really going to be able to play. If he's just going to have DeAndre Hopkins available to him, then we find ourselves in a situation where he just has a lower ceiling. Yes, he'll have Hopkins. Hopkins will give him that floor. The rushing ability can always give Deshaun Watson what he needs to have that top five QB1 performance for fantasy football purposes. We know this. That's why Deshaun Watson's a must-play. But as far as him having that great ceiling where he can go for 300-plus yards and a couple of touchdowns through the air, he needs to have all of his weapons. Kiki Kute, Kenny Stills have not been able to get the job done consistently enough for him. And while against the Tennessee Titans, I think Hopkins could be enough to give him a nice floor. You want to be able, in this playoff matchup, being how disappointing he is, to take the top off to win you that week, to come through for you when they finally have, in some senses, a decent matchup, which is something they really haven't had too much of over the past few weeks. So yes, you play Deshaun Watson, you play DeAndre Hopkins, of course. But we're talking about what's their ceiling here for them. And I think you need Will Fuller to be able to reach that ceiling. Now, as far as the running game goes... I like Carlos Hyde. This Tennessee defense, they're a good defense, but they're not a defense that scares you. They're not a defense that just takes away guys. And I like Carlos Hyde a lot more than Duke Johnson this week. With Without a doubt, I like him a lot more than Duke Johnson this week. I think Carlos Hyde's somebody who can be a high-end flex play for you, while Duke Johnson is... I think he has a low floor coming into this game because, frankly, he might be in a situation where he is not going to have to be utilized. I think this is the game in which Houston, they always look to, their, their, their passing game is always built on vertical. It always looked to going down the field. But I think you're finding yourselves in a situation where it's going to definitely be that game plan against the Tennessee Titans, and they're not going to use the check down quite a bit against them. So I don't think Duke Johnson has a particularly high ceiling. I think he has a very low floor in this game because I question how many touches he's really going to get this week. And I think Carlos Hyde could actually have a decent week in this one, which is a big, big part of it as well. Now, our next game up that we need to talk about. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at UnwrappedSports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Is the Denver Broncos, Kansas City Chiefs. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, 
and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. A lot of fantasy questions in this one. Yes, Cortland Sutton is still somebody you can go ahead and trust here. I know, I know, I know. Drew Locke went for, what, 350 yards and a couple touchdowns, and Cortland Sutton found himself being the odd man out. But as you can see in half-point PPR leagues, I have Cortland Sutton ranked as the number 15 wide receiver on the week. I have him as a wide receiver, too. The target share is still going to be there. Drew Locke is still going to utilize him. He's still going to be the number one wide receiver. Yes, Kansas City actually has not been bad against perimeter wide receivers, but because their defense hasn't been bad in general, because while Drew Locke looked really good last week, it was still a Houston Texans defense, and while the perception of the Kansas City Chiefs defense is that they're just as bad, they're actually not. They've actually been a pretty good defense. Yes, you can run on them when you decide to, but as far as the passing game goes, this is not a defense that has been, has been giving up a lot of passing yards. This is not a defense that you've been able to throw on willy-nilly. So, what and what and, the, and I I know what I'm saying is a little bit confusing because I'm talking I'm talking up Cortland Sutton right now. The reason why I think that actually helps Cortland Sutton is because that is a situation where those second and third guys aren't going to be able to get as involved. Cortland Sutton's going to have to be leaned on. It's going to have to get his volume in the targets to help this team to get a spark going for this offense to do something. So I think just by default, Cortland Sutton's going to have to get back up to his 7-10 to 10 targets that he was seeing on a consistent basis. And if he, as long as he gets that, because he is the budding star that he is, there's still nobody on Kansas City that scares me off of him. And they've still been able to move him around. They still line him up in the slot quite a bit. He's still going to be their number one red zone target. Noah Fant, who has been practicing, even if he plays, is not going to be 100%. And he's pretty much been the second wide receiver, the second pass catcher for that team. You could play Cortland Sutton as a wide receiver too. And I think he's going to get his volume back this week. So don't jump off the bridge yet. Don't, don't abandon him. You got to play him this week in your redraft leagues for your playoff matchups if you were able to survive last week that given. And you, you probably a lot of you probably could have. All right, so as far as everybody else goes, Philip Lindsay, low-end RB2, high-end RB3 for me in most leagues. Definitely somebody that you can fire up and play. Definitely has a great matchup in this game. And because of the recent usage, I actually have him number 13. I have him higher than I thought I did. So I have him just outside the RB1s this week if you're in 12-team leagues. Uh, just because of the usage between him and Royce Freeman as of late, this has become Philip Lindsay's backfield. And of course, you love the matchup. And Denver's number one attack against the Chiefs is going to have to be to run the football because by all means, they're going to want to keep this offense off the field. Remember the last time they played them? Patrick Mahomes got hurt and Matt Moore came in and lit them up. So while their defense has been pretty good against teams, they had a lot of problems handling all of the weapons that the Kansas City Chiefs had, like a lot of teams do. A lot of teams have problems being able to handle these guys. So I expect that to continue in this matchup. I expect them to have to want to run the football. So outside of Cortland Sutton, I'm playing Philip Lindsay. I Noah Fant is still a streaming option for me if he's good to go, but not somebody who I'm looking at, and I'm not playing anybody else fantasy-wise for the Denver Broncos. But you can fire up Sutton and Lindsay with confidence. On the Chiefs side of the ball, Damian Williams is expected to be back this week. If he plays this week, you can expect him to be an RB2. 
if he plays this week. And I don't think I have him up there right now because I don't think I've ranked him to play as of yet. I was waiting to see the practice report. But we do expect him to practice. Oh, no, I'm sorry. My mistake. I have Damian Williams ranked number 17 on the week for running backs. He practiced yesterday. He's cleared to go. The expectation is he'll be good to go this week. He's going to have to be, in some senses, a workhorse back. I put that out there on Twitter. Not in, in a workhorse-type level back is the way I word it. Because he's, I'm not saying he's a workhorse back in the sense he's going to get 20-plus touches. Or he's going to get all of the work. But in a workhorse back in the sense of he's going to be involved in every facet of the game. He's going to be the main runner. And he's going to be the main pass catcher. So a work type, workhorse-type level. But he's going to be that type of running back where, yeah, McCoy's going to get worked in. Uh you know, Dar- Darwin Thompson's going to get worked in on the passing game. He's not going to get all the work to himself, but he's going to be the one back who's actually involved in both phases of the game, the pass and the run, which is why I like him a lot in this game. They need to get something going in their backfield. It's been very, very inconsistent, which is a big reason why their offense in general has been pretty inconsistent so far this season. So, look, Fire him up as an RB2. You should be fine. Good to go. Patrick Mahomes will be fine in this game as well. He already said he was able to practice. The injured hand, he should be fine. He should be good to go too. So that means you fire up everybody. Travis Kelsey, obviously play him. Tyree Kill, obviously play him. That's it. Not playing Sammy Watkins this week. Yes, he went back to getting his normal target share last week, but just again, they're not throwing him the ball down the field. They're utilizing him as a, a short, intermediate runner who's just running drags, a few slants, but they are not throwing him the ball down the field even when he does go down the field right now. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if he's actually not 100% healthy. What, if, I don't know if they're just not on the same page, but clearly, clearly, Sammy Watkins does not have that ceiling that he should have, frankly, and used to have. So you can't, you can't fire him up in this one. You can't. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams, Patrick Mahomes, fire him up, play him with confidence. Kansas City Chiefs defense are a streaming defense for me this week. I like them quite a bit. Now, I don't think I have them ranked particularly high this particular week, but they do have a ceiling that I want to talk about. I have them number 11 defense on the week. So I do, I do still have them as a defense one if you're in 12-team leagues. And the reason for that is because it's still Drew Locke. It's still a rookie quarterback. It's a defense that has played well in the secondary. It's a defense that has been able to get sacks. So I expect them to be able to do those things, get turnovers, have a possibility for a defensive touchdown, have a possibility for a pick six in this game. Drew Locke is still not an accurate quarterback. I know everyone seems to have this perception now that all of a sudden he's a star in the making because he had one good game against a terrible defense in Houston. This is still a guy who was known for being inaccurate in college. He still is inaccurate now. And I expect the Kansas City Chiefs defense to be able to take advantage of that fact and be able to do some damage for you here. So you can fire up the Chiefs defense as a top streaming defense for the week. Just a quick tidbit there, something we don't normally cover when we talk about in these shows. Next game up, Miami Dolphins, New York Giants. So we just saw we had earlier in the show, we had the update about Evan Ingram actually being able to practice or possibly be going to practice today. He did not practice yesterday. And... Our expectation as of right now is still that he's not going to be able to go this week. Let's operate under that assumption still, because keep in mind, even if he does practice, it doesn't mean he's going to be able to go. He practiced all week leading up into that Monday night game, and then they rolled him out uh, ultimately anyway. So even if he does practice, it's still it's still going to have to be something we wait and see on. So for this purposes, we're going to operate under the assumption he does not play. That would mean Darius Slayton to me is the number one guy to go to. It's a weird mix. 
if Evan Ingram doesn't go, then all of a sudden the targets open up. There should be enough targets where Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton all see five-plus targets in this game. Regard, and this is regardless of whether Eli or Daniel Jones is the quarterback, by the way, too. Because it's a great matchup, and they should be able to throw the ball. Darius Slayton, because of the big playability that he has, becomes my number one receiver for that team. Overall, I, he's somebody who I definitely have as a wide receiver, a high-end wide receiver three with upside that you can go ahead, fire up, and play, and be somebody who can maybe possibly even win you the week and, and be one of the top sleeper guys for the week as I try to find him here. But that, that's my take on Darius Slayton right now. That's if Evan Ingram does not play. If he does play, I think it kind of flips back in a weird way where Darius Slayton could wind up finding himself being the odd man out again, where it's they're, they're hitting Tate and Shepard in the middle on the outside. They're hitting Evan Ingram, and Darius Slayton just kind of gets left out on the island on the outside, and they sort of just forget about it because there's not going to be too much in this game that I don't think the Giants aren't, aren't going to be able to do. Right, They should be able to do pretty much everything. This is also a game I worry a little bit about as far as receivers go because I expect Saquon Barkley to get back going in this game. I expect him to have some success in this one, whether it be running the football or catching the ball out of the backfield, especially if Eli Manning were to play. I definitely like Saquon Barkley uh, quite a bit more in that situation. i got to update those rankings because Darius Slayton's way too low. I have him at 56 right now, and that's, that's not right. Uh, I, must, I must have him with Evan Ingram still playing. Now, yeah, even if, if Eli Manning plays, obviously the check down becomes more of a factor there. So as a result, what you get is Saquon Barkley being able to be more involved in the passing game. And I expect him to have a good game against Miami. He's going to be an RB1 against Miami. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that in my mind. So what are they going to have to do with the wide receivers? So that, that would be my only concern. That's all I'm saying. But if you want to play one giant wide receiver, it, to me, it's Darius Slayton this week because of the big play capability that he has, because he came out with the first game with Eli and was already the most targeted wide receiver, because he's been impressive over the past month. That has to be my guy, but only if Evan Ingram does, does not play. If Evan Ingram plays, I'm probably staying away from all the giant wide receivers. I would play Evan Ingram, by the way, because you're not going to find a better tight end with a better matchup than Evan Ingram this week, the combination of the two. But I'm not going to play a pass catcher because it's going. the target share is going to be possibly too even and too hard to guess. And you're pretty much just going to be playing for boom potential while everyone's going to have a low floor at the same time, even against the Dolphins. So you kind of want Evan Ingram not to play here. So guys like Darius Slayton could be somebody that you continue to ride. And of course, Barkley is always good as, as well. As far as the Dolphins go, Devontae Parker... Did practice in a limited capacity yesterday. So, usually that's a good indication. When you're able to practice on a Wednesday, it's usually a good indication that you will be able to play that upcoming Sunday when you're trying to go through the concussion protocol. I expect that to be the same case here. I expect Devontae Parker to play this Sunday. As long as that's the case, Parker, you fire him up. He's a wide receiver too. At, at, at minimum, with wide receiver one potential, with the targets he has seen, I have him as number 14 on the week, myself in half-point PPR leagues. Devontae Parker is somebody you have to play, no questions asked. I think we all know that at this point, especially against the New York Giants, which is a great matchup. That's it. That's it. I know some people want to be like, well, if Parker plays, can I stream Ryan Fitzpatrick? No. No, you can't. And 
while yes, Parker got hurt last week, and that has something to do with them never not being able to get Ryan Fitzpatrick going while he didn't have the streaming, you know, ability that people thought he might have against the New York Jets a week ago. He's somebody who shows you that he could go for 400 yards or he could throw for 200 yards. And it doesn't really matter what's going on around. It doesn't really matter what the matchup is. You can't trust Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. You can't, not for your playoff matchups. Now, if you want to take a shot on him in DFS, if you want to pair him up with Devontae Parker and do something like a tournament like that, that that's perfectly, that's a totally different scenario. That is a, a good move to make. He's really cheap. As far as quarterbacks go, he'll have he does have the potential, he does have the ceiling to have a big game there as long as Parker is playing. So that that makes all the sense in the world. That's one thing. But if you're talking about playoff redraft leagues right now and you're in the second round of your playoffs, there's no reason in my mind you can't find a better streaming quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick this week that has a better at least floor with not with just as high of a ceiling whether it be Ryan Tannehill, whether it be Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, guys of that nature, I would take all of those guys over a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. So just stay away. I've been asked about that quite a bit this week, and that's why I wanted to make sure I harped and got to uh, that as well. Next game up, we got the Buffalo Bills. We got the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this game's really not going to take too long. The first one is the big news, of course, this week, is that James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster will play. They will be out there. They practiced yesterday. They've been cleared for full contact. They're running around like crazy. They will be able to play. Now, what does that mean? James Conner, you can fire him up. He is going to be an RB2 this week, no doubt about it. I think at this point, because they've given themselves enough time for him to actually heal that shoulder injury, he's definitely less of a risk to be re-injured in this game. Because I know some people who are James Conner owners are still very, very bitter, and rightfully so, from the last time that he went out there, played, got hurt early on in the game, and pretty much lost him the week in a Thursday night football matchup. I get it. I understand it. You got to play James Conner. I have him as number 15 on the week right now in half-point PPR leagues. You got to fire him up and play him. Have to. Have to. So that's the one guy. And Buffalo, remember, the Buffalo Bills are a team that you can run on. Juju Smith-Schuster, any of the pass catchers, really, of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm staying away from. No Deontay Johnson, no Schuster, no James Washington. Vance McDonald has a concussion. We don't know if he's going to be able to come back this week, but no Vance McDonald, not that you were, he was really in the streaming territory anyway. You can't play any of these guys. James Conner, that's it. The Bills side of the ball. While the Pittsburgh Steelers defense has been very, very good, I do think Josh Allen is somebody who has at least a floor this week. Now, I know he was disappointing last week, and I have him as number 12 quarterback on the week, so I have him at the very borderline of the QB ones this week. And the reason for that is because while the Steelers have been very, very good on defense, they still haven't been lights out. They haven't been able to just take away everybody if you have a decent offense. I think he's going to run a little bit more this week than we saw him do a week ago. Uh, Like I said, the Ravens defense is just a defense you can't play right against right now. They're just on another level. The Steelers, while they're playing really good, are not on the Ravens level when it comes to defense. I expect John Brown to be able to get open a little bit more. I expect Cole Beasley to still be a safety blanket like he has been for Josh Allen. The biggest thing is I expect Devin Singletary to not have a huge game in this one because it's still the Steelers defense, but to be able to do enough to keep the chains moving. So I think Josh Allen, number 12 quarterback on the week. He is somebody that I think you can play this week. It might be one of the few times in the playoffs that you can play him with any kind of, I wouldn't say confidence, but with the 
idea and expectation that he should have a decent four for you in that matchup. Same thing goes with John Brown. John Brown, to me, should be a guy that can be a wide receiver three. We know it only takes one play for him. I know that as far as target share goes and how he's played over the past few weeks, it's been brutal. And if you've been able to stay in the playoffs while having John Brown on your team, you might not really want to take the chance there because you've seen what his floor can be. But in half-point PPR leagues, I have him as the number nine wide receiver on the week. I expect a bounce-back game. And... Look, the the outside corners of the Pittsburgh Steelers are what you can somewhat take advantage of right now. It's staying away from Mika Fitzpatrick in the middle. That's why I don't expect Cole Beasley to do anything in this game. But that's why I think they're going to have to lean on John Brown. As long as Josh Allen has a better game, I expect John Brown to have a good game in this one. And I have him as the number nine wide receiver uh, on the week heading into this matchup. On the on the flip side of the ball here... Uh, or no, I'm sorry, on the next game here, rolling along onto the next game here, we got the Philadelphia Eagles, we got the Washington Redskins. Bad, bad injuries for the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Bad injuries. You got Alshon Jeffrey done for the year, IR, right away. Nelson Aguilar didn't practice yesterday, really not looking good to play this week. So, Greg Ward is the only wide receiver left for the Philadelphia Eagles at the moment. Because J.J. Arkea Whiteside, he practiced, we do expect him to play, but he might not be 100% when he's out there either after getting banged up in last week's game. Eagles are in a bad, bad way. And this is against a Washington Redskins team where you want to play somebody on the Eagles. Somebody's going to have a good game. Outside of Zach Ertz, I don't know who else that's going to be. Because even when Dallas Goddard's case, is he a streaming tight end? Yeah, but he's a lower-end streaming tight end. You even saw it last week. They had no other weapons. It was just Greg Ward and a bunch of tight ends out there. And Dallas Goddard, really, three catches, 41 yards, no touchdowns. I'm in out. I'm not streaming you for that. Now, maybe you don't have a better option. Maybe you want to take that chance. That's up to you. I don't really recommend it. I think there's other tight ends that have more of an opportunity to be able to score or get you a decent game that you would want to stream over a guy like Dallas Goddard who's going to be second fiddle. Even in a situation where... The tight ends and the running backs may be the only real pass catchers against the Washington Redskins. But I think it's this is going to be a Zach Ertz. I mean, Zach Ertz is through the roof this week. Absolutely through the roof. And I'm kind of looking at it now. In my head, I think he should be the tight end one. I think I have Travis Kelsey as a tight end one this week. I do. And Zach Ertz is my number two tight end on the week. That could easily be flip-flop. I could definitely see Zach Ertz being the number one guy in a great matchup as the number one pass catcher on the team. He's definitely going to have... One hell of a floor. I think there's no doubt about that. So you fire him up, you play him. Carson Wentz being a streaming option. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I it's hard for me to say that you can't play Carson Wentz against against the uh, the Redskins because how could you not? And I have him as number six quarterback on the week because because of the matchup. Even without a wide receiver, as long as he has a tight end to throw to, as long as he has Miles Sanders and now the you know surprising performance of Boston Scott to be able to go to in the passing game, he should have at least a safe floor, and he's going to be asked to do a lot to win this game. 
And with the way the Eagles are playing as of late, this isn't a game where you can expect them to blow them out. This is a game where it might be competitive for four quarters. And if that's the case, Carson Wentz is going to have to shoulder the load once again. As long as he's getting that volume, he should have a safe floor. I have him projected for about 19 points this week. And I don't see why he's not able to live up to that. Don't see why not at all. Miles Sanders, fire him up. He got a little bit banged up last week. I'm not worried about Boston Scott stealing touches from him. Boston Scott got hot. Miles Sanders got a little bit banged up. It happens. Miles Sanders is going to be the lead running back. Unless somehow Jordan Howard magically gets cleared for contact, which he still has not yet, by the way. I expect Miles Sanders to be the guy that they go to in this situation, to be the main runner again, to be the main pass catcher again. I am not worried about Boston Scott coming in and all of a sudden splitting work with Miles Sanders. That's, that's not going to happen. It's not going to be the case. To me, it was a one-game, one-time deal only. That's it. Nothing else after that. So fire up Miles Sanders, play him with confidence, play him as an RB2 who has potential because of the matchup, because of the usage that he might be looking at. I have no, no concerns there. No concerns there whatsoever. On the Redskins side of the ball, I think you have to play Terry McLaurin. I know. I, it makes me nervous to say that. It does. It makes me very, very nervous to say that because we have had good matchups over the past few weeks where Terry McLaurin has not been able to take advantage of because the Redskins' offense is so anemic. But just watching Darius Slayton, just watching that Giants' offense, just watching the, the terribleness that continues to be that Eagles' secondary, it's hard for me not to. And I have Terry McLaurin, half-point PPR leagues, ranked as the number 29 wide receiver on the week. So I, I have him as a wide receiver three, and he has the upside against the Eagles especially to score a touchdown and be able to have a much bigger week and be able to get you wide receiver two level type of production. The targets have come back. He's getting most of the work. It's a great matchup. I think you can at least play him as a flex. If you're playing three receiver leagues, I think you can at least play him as a flex play. I, I think you know there's a lot worse options out there. Like, I, I know I'm saying this with no confidence, and I, I don't, because it's just as likely that the Redskins do the Redskins thing and he gets three targets and does nothing. Yes, that's a likely scenario as well. But against this Eagle team, with the way that they were able to connect last week against the Green Bay Packers and finally get into the end zone, Dwayne Haskins, you know, gutting one out, looking a little bit better each week, just enough to think I, Terry McLaurin can be a wide receiver three for you this week. Outside of that, I don't know who you can play because while Darius Geis is going to be gone and while that means Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson are both going to be guys that have clear-cut roles in this one, Peterson obviously being the main rusher, Thompson being obviously the main pass catcher, this is against the Eagles defense that I don't want to run against. Now, maybe if you're in PPR leagues in the flex and you're look, maybe you're in deeper leagues and you're looking for a guy with a floor, Chris Thompson could definitely be that guy for you. Chris Thompson... Definitely has a high floor. Remember, last week he had seven catches for 43 yards. It's not going to be pretty, but if you're playing in full-point PPR or half-point PPR leagues, he's definitely going to have a floor because now with no Darius Geis on top of it, all the passing work should go to Chris Thompson. And outside of Terry McLaurin, Chris Thompson should be the second pass catcher on that team. So he definitely has a floor in that sense. If you're in standard leagues, I'm not playing him. And you're only playing him because he's the guy who can come in and get you you know, maybe 10 10 points or so in those half-point, full-point PPR leagues. You're not playing him for a ceiling. So just keep that in mind as well. But he could be a plug-and-play if you just need a guy to get you 10 to 12 points in those leagues. Now, 
AP goes, I don't know how you play him in this game. Yes, he's had some surprising performances against decent defenses in the past when he's been getting all of the work. But with the way the Eagles have gotten back and got a little bit healthier in the front seven, you still can't run on these guys. They still held Saquon Barkley in check for the most part. I don't love AP this week. It just has too low of a floor for me this week in a bad, bad matchup for me to play him in the playoffs. So I would avoid that altogether as well, too. I'd fire up Terry McLaurin, and depending on your lineup, I might fire up Chris Thompson as well. Keeping this thing moving here. We got our last game that we're going to talk about in this podcast before we get to the mailbag. Now, once again, if you are on Sportscaster watching this, drop your fantasy football question in the chat. We will shout it out and discuss it here on the show as part of the show. For you guys listening on audio, as always, I have pre-selected a few questions from people who have gotten to me on social media at Show at MDFF Show for Facebook, and of course, have emailed me through the website, which is behind me right now, www.mdffshow.com. And I've pre-selected a few questions on the mailbag segment there as well, like I do every week. Remember, even if you're not on the mailbag segment during the show, I'm still going to answer any and all questions that come my way. So don't worry about that. You'll get an answer from me one way or another. But our last game to talk about here is Seattle Seahawks, Carolina Panthers, Pretty straightforward in this game what you're you're going to do, at least as far as the Panthers go. DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, that's it. If you're waiting for me to say Curtis Samuel, I'm not going to. Curtis, I'm not going to play a guy who is so dependent on a touchdown to even give him a fantasy floor. We're not talking about he's a touchdown away from having a high ceiling. We're talking about he has to have a touchdown to be fantasy relevant. And that's regardless of the amount of targets he sees, regardless of how well the offense plays, it does not matter. All that matters is him getting a touchdown in order to be fantasy relevant. I'm not going to play that type of a guy in my playoffs, period. So I'm leaving Curtis Samuel on my bench. I'm not going to drop him, but I'm leaving him on my bench, even in what could be a plus matchup against the Seahawks at home, leaving him there. DJ Moore, Chris McCaffrey, Greg Olson's banged up. We don't know if he's going to play yet. We're still waiting for those practice reports to come out. Outside of that, I'm not playing anybody else on the Panthers. On the Seahawks side of the ball, we all know Rashad Penny. He's done for this season. Sprained ACL. He's going to have surgery, apparently. So we'll see how all that winds up and turns out. What that does mean is that I have Chris Carson really high this week. In fact, if I remember correctly, I think I had him number two this week overall. I do. I have Chris Carson number two. Right behind Christian McCaffrey, who they're playing against, by the way. You've been there has probably not been a team outside of the Cincinnati Bengals that you can run the ball with more success than against the Carolina Panthers right now. And without Rashad Penny, Chris Carson going back to being the guy who might see 25 to 30 touches in the game quite possibly, especially the way their offense has been playing as of late, which has been more conservative, actually. I expect Chris Carson to have a huge week. Huge week. So fire him up. I expect him to be an RB1. Number two running back overall in the week is where I have him at, given the matchup, given the situation now. Russell Wilson, you got to play him. You have to play him. He's been a QB1. I know he's been a disappointment as of late, but he's a big reason. If you're in the second round of the playoffs, he's a big reason why you are there. And this is a matchup which they can get aggressive. They can go back down the field. I still have him as the number three quarterback on the week. This is a defense that you're just not fearful of right now. I know a lot of people are looking at the Tyler Lockett performance last week as another dud week, and technically, from a productivity standpoint, it was another dud week. But I actually kind of look at it with a silver lining, which is, if you're still in the playoffs and you have Tyler Lockett, I'm definitely playing him this week. I'm definitely firing him up. Because, one, 
as we all know, it only takes one play with Tyler Lockett. But two, he had more targets last week than he did two weeks previously. He looked better running his routes. That was the big thing for me. I went back, I watched the film on that game, and to me, what I saw was a guy who looked a little bit crisper, who looked a little more explosive, who looked like he was further along in getting rid of his injury or being able to get over his injury, I should say. And as long as that continues to be the case, I expect Tyler Lockett to have a decent game in this one. I have him as the number 30th wide receiver on the week, so I have him as a wide receiver three, have him as a flex play, and he has the potential to give you wide receiver two type production any any given week. That's that's what we're looking at here. So I think you can play Tyler Lockett. You could definitely play DK Metcalf because while Tyler Lockett has been getting through his rough patch here, DK Metcalf has been as consistent as they come. While that passing attack hasn't been what it was earlier on in the season, DK Metcalf has been the guy who has given you a floor and, of course, always has the ability to take the top off and win you the week. So DK Metcalf is a must, must play for me this week. Even though I have him ranked number 31 just behind Tyler Lockett, I just I like his floor a little bit more. I like his ceiling a little bit more, especially with the trustworthiness right now going on with that Panthers team. you got to fire up DK Metcalf as your wide receiver three, as your flex play at the very least this particular week. Jacob Hollister is definitely a streaming option for those of you who are asking for the tight end position. Yes, he's definitely a streaming option this week as well. He's still seeing the targets, even though he hasn't really gotten into the end zone over the past few weeks. The targets are still there, and you just want a tight end when you're talking about that territory of streaming who's either getting targets or has a chance to score. He's doing both of those right now. He still has both of those potential, both of those possibilities. So you can go ahead and play Jacoby Hollister. That wraps up the show for, well, as that wraps up the previews that we're going through to today. Tomorrow, we'll be back with the recap Thursday night. We'll be back with the four o'clock, the Sunday night, and the Monday night previews as well. What we have now, it's time for the mailbag segment. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics. Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. Now remember, if you're on SportsCast, you're watching this right now, this is the time. Go ahead, drop your question in the chat, and we will get to it right now, right here, and talk about it on the show. But for now, until some people start doing that, we have pre-selected questions from people who have hit me up on social media throughout the week, and we want to go ahead and talk about those questions right now. So Jude from Facebook asked me, in a half-point PPR, should I play A.J. Brown or Raheem Mostert, probably talking about the flex there, you would imagine. So this is a tough question, right? Because Raheem Mostert is somebody who looks like he might have taken over as the lead back. But, and here's my one caveat. They're playing the Atlanta Falcons this week. We we still don't know the reason why suddenly Tevin Coleman found himself in the doghouse and looking like he's the third running back on the roster at the moment. We still haven't really gotten a clarification to that. It would not surprise me for one second if against the Atlanta Falcons, Kyle Shanahan decided to start Tevin Coleman and let him get his revenge game. 
Wouldn't for one second. Kyle Shanahan is known for being cute with his running backs. He's known for not having really a set depth chart at the running back position from a week-to-week basis. So while it's looked like Raheem Mostert the past couple of weeks, while the 49ers should be able to run the ball with success, it would not surprise you for one second all of a sudden Tevin Coleman was the lead rusher in this one. To me, the only 49er you can play the only only running back, I should say, the only 49er running back you can play in the flex this week is Matt Breida. Because he's the only one, no matter what, no matter what the situation is, that you know he's going to probably get somewhere between 9 and 12 touches. It doesn't matter if Raheem Mostert's the main runner. It doesn't matter if Tevin Coleman's the main runner. Matt Breida is going to get somewhere between 9 and 10, 9 and 12 touches. So he is somebody against this Atlanta Falcons team, as long as he's getting that, can be a flex player for you. Outside of that, I don't feel like I can trust Raheem Mostert, and I don't feel like I can trust Tevin Coleman. So I'm not going to play either one of them, because against the Falcons especially, it just would not surprise me if all of a sudden they flip-flop on the depth chart from what they've been the past couple of weeks. So that's my long way of saying, one, I want to warn MD Nation, because we are going to get that preview tomorrow. We're going to talk about that more tomorrow, but I want to warn MD Nation now to not play Raheem Mostert, to not trust him this week. Also, A.J. Brown, we talked about him. He's a must-play for me this week. Against the Houston Texans, with the way he's been playing as of late, with the target share that he has been seeing, you have to fire up A.J. Brown. So, Jude, A.J. Brown is your guy in the flex for your playoff matchup. Ernest from Twitter, he asked me, full point PPR, Le'Veon Bell or DeAndre Washington? So, Obviously, this affects night. Obviously, you have to make a decision now. And it's hard to make that decision now because you're in a situation where Josh Jacobs, while he has been cleared to practice, and he did come back to practice yesterday, there's still been a big article and big a lot of talk about how he is somebody who is not guaranteed to still play this week. They're, they just, they're, we're talking about that today. Even though he came back to practice, he's still no guarantee to be able to play. So the question is, are you I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this question as you are not a Josh Jacobs owner because I feel like you would be asking me Le'Veon Bell or Josh Jacobs slash DeAndre Washington. The fact you're asking me Le'Veon Bell and DeAndre or DeAndre Washington tells me that you picked up Washington when Jacobs got hurt last week, but you're not actually the Jacobs owner. So now you have to sit in a situation where do you roll the dice that Jacobs doesn't play so you can play Washington in the game, or do you play Le'Veon Bell tonight? Here's what I'll say. I'm going to roll the dice in the playoff matchups. Usually wouldn't do this, but because I have zero confidence in the productivity that you could possibly see out of Le'Veon Bell, and that you're a full-point PPR league, so you're the one league where he might have a floor just because of the receptions he might see coming out of the backfield because Sam Darrell might not have time to throw to anybody else. So you're the one league where I might even consider playing Le'Veon Bell. And because I still have zero confidence in Le'Veon Bell this week, I would roll the dice and see if maybe Josh Jacobs does not play or see if I can get another RB2 option somewhere on the waiver wire or somewhere else on my bench if Jacobs does wind up playing. But I would honestly roll the dice and hope that Jacobs does not play to get to play DeAndre Washington this week rather than have to play Le'Veon Bell against the Baltimore Ravens tonight. He has no ceiling. He has maybe a floor in full-point PPR leagues. That is it. So that would be my response there. I would actually roll the dice there, Ernest. Next question up, last question that I selected from the social media questions is Kurt from email. He asked me, Ryan Tannehill or Kirk Cousins this week? Uh, I think we spent a lot of time in this episode already talking about the fact that we love Ryan Tannehill quite a bit. 
Kirk Cousins going up against the Chargers defense, who's actually pretty healthy right now and playing pretty well with Derwin James back and, and Hayward's doing really well. And even if Adam Thielen comes back in that game, Kirk Cousins is still going to have a low floor. Could he still have a good game? Yeah, he still could have a good game against the Chargers, especially if Adam Thielen's back in the mix. Because you have Dalvin Cook, who who he has a good matchup because the Chargers aren't very good against the run. So as long as they're able to keep the offense going and they have play action available, it, it can negate the healthiness, the the talents of that secondary of the Chargers to some degree. But given the matchup here, given the way Ryan Tannehill has been playing, I just see no reason why you don't go ahead and play Tannehill. He has the same floor as the Kirk Cousins with a much higher ceiling. Fire up Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback for this week. That wraps up the show for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, make sure you're following me along on Twitter at MDSFFshow or on Facebook at MDFFshow. Check out the website behind me. You can check out all the rest of the rankings we didn't go through and the other scoring formats, www.mdffshow.com. Make sure you're checking out one of my great networks that I'm a part of, Belly Up Sports. We'll be back on Sunday, as we always are, at 9 a.m. with the starts to questions all the way up until kickoff. And, of course, we have all those player news update notifications that come through Belly Up Fantasy along with my own Twitter feed as well. So as long as you're following one of us, you will get updated on the players throughout the week. And, of course, make sure you're following Unwrapped Sports Network. Those guys are doing great content, especially on here on Sportscaster 2. Make sure you go ahead and give them a follow and check them out. USN is what you want to look for when looking for them on sportscaster as well uh make sure you're checking out the podcast md's fantasy football show on your favorite podcast app google play spotify stitcher apple podcast wherever make sure you leave us a five-star review and a comment it helps this show out immensely be able to grow and become better and better and better for you uh so i will see you guys soon uh, signing off dan mater good to see you guys i will see you guys tomorrow we'll be live on sportscaster again around the same time to finish off the week everybody have a lovely day thank you for listening to the md's fantasy football show Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 